more. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Dream Big Podcast. So glad that you're with us today. And uh, today we've got a good friend. Ben, tell us about your music, what it is to be Ben Rector these days, and what's going on in your life. Well, it's good to see you. And what it is to be me right now is so we're releasing this record, uh, which is, there's a lot going on. And then honestly, a, a big part of my life currently is taking care of my children, which is hilarious. We have 18 month old twin boys and a daughter who is four and a half. Come on. And so, uh, yeah, it's, and it's kind of an interesting moment for me because I, throughout the pandemic and then with the twins being so young, I was doing, you know, I was making music, et cetera, but I wasn't really in this phase of the artist process, which is like, now it's like time to go back out into the world and be like doing stuff again. And so this is the very beginning of that for me. So it's kind of, it feels like I'm like putting back on like my ski boots or something. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got to go ski now, you know? Oh yeah. There's a thing that I do. Uh, is that uh, feel a little bittersweet because of this time that I think a lot of us just rediscovered all the people that we love and yeah. have been living with. I think it, it definitely is bittersweet. I think for this is the first record that I've made that I'm just like all the way excited about. And so there's part of me too, that's like excited to see that go out into the world. And there's also nerves with that as well. Like it's a vulnerable thing. And especially with this one, I feel like subconsciously on previous records, it's easy to be like, yeah, well, I wish I'd done this a little different or that a little different, et cetera. And on this one, I'm like, I, I, I hit the ball hard on this one and I hope people really like it. So that's kind of a new feeling for me of being vulnerable and being like, yeah, man, I think this is great. Um, so it's, it's all those things together. It's exciting to kind of be back in that. And then there's also the part of you that's like, oh, wow, I, I really enjoyed kind of having a routine and being home and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it is bittersweet, kind of a lot of things mixed together. Give people a peek behind the curtain, uh, musicians, like, uh, you know, you write a book and release it. Mm-hmm. People will have opinions about it. They'll have opinions about the music or about the words or about the whatever. How does that feel for you as just an individual, a dad, a husband or whatever, for people who have opinions about your art? Yeah, I think I'm in a little bit of a fortunate position in that I think for the most part, you don't get, I feel like people are always talking about like the haters and I'm always like, what are you talking about? I just, that's not like a, it's not, I, I don't feel like I have a lot of uh, quote unquote haters. So I generally, it feels like the moments where people are like share a negative opinion or like, I don't like this very much. It's usually when your music starts getting out to people who didn't really ask for it. So like it starts to, if there's a moment where like there's a song that's getting outside of your fan base and people are just hearing it, higher likelihood that they'll be like, this sucks. I don't like it. And for the most part, people that have self-selected into being a fan of yours, you know, in my experience, I haven't done anything yet that a bunch of people were like, we really don't like this. Every trope is true. Like there could be a thousand good comments and one that's like, that's not very good. I, and I feel like I always want to like in, in a not great way, I want to be like, it actually is good. And here's why I, I don't, I just don't engage with that. So yeah, it, it's, it, and and I, I find actually, this is really interesting. 
most of the time, I want to give a real stat here. I would bet nine out of 10 times that someone is grouchy or like shares a, like, I didn't like this or whatever. It's a really, really similar type of person. Maybe I'm just telling myself this to make myself feel better, but it really does feel like the people that are going out of their way to be like, I didn't like this are kind of like that about a lot of things. And I think that's probably more of a reflection of their, um, where they're at than it maybe is of, of your work. And that's not to say that like, everybody should think my work is awesome. I don't think that, but like most of the time, and at this point I've done it for long enough that you can, if someone, you know, is like, ah, this is trash or whatever, which is rare. It's usually a pretty specific kind of person. And so at some point it's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to like argue with this person who thinks everything is terrible. Like that's just not, not worth it for me. You know, when I mess up, which is often like if mess ups or pushups, I'd be totally ripped. Uh, sweet Maria Goff. She looks at this little picture of eight year old Bobby Goff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's in a little Mickey mouse frame and there I am freckles and insecure. I'm just an older insecure guy now, <laughs> but she, she looks at that and she remembers, Oh, this is like a big version of little Bobby Goff. Uh, totally. It's a good reminder. There's a young man that I've written about a little bit that I became his legal guardian and he had some setbacks in Uganda and we've climbed Kilimanjaro, most of it wow. together. He got to his high point. His summit mm -hmm. wasn't quite the summit, mm -hmm. but he got up to like 11 or 12,000 feet, which isn't bad. Wow. So what we did is we talked about, look how far you've come not look how far you have to go. Totally. And so when I think back about my life, I just, I just uh, think when I'm harsh on myself, I just say, look how far I've come, not in terms of other people's views, but like in my own progression. I've been thinking back my first memory before we jumped on, I was thinking first time I met Ben, like, remember you came pulling through San Diego on, you were doing something at the house of blues or something, but what do you remember about that time? So that, man, that was, I was on tour opening for Matt Wirtz and we were playing House of Blue San Diego. That was a really long tour. I remember thinking it was so cool that I got to meet you and yeah, I, I was, I was excited to be, that was a big deal for me because it was like a cross country tour. We were really doing it and it was really challenging. It was a challenging tour. Yeah, I, I vividly remember that afternoon. I remember the tour manager wore those like five finger shoes and he was like jumping <laughs> around your yard, like off of off of like a little ledge onto the yard. And we were like, stop, gosh, this is, don't do that. And you were so great. You're like, oh, whatever. Um, and these are before tour buses and all that. Oh Ooh. yeah, no, we were, we were in Matt's van pulling a trailer <laughs> And so it was, uh, yeah, man, that, that, that was, a, it was a formative experience for me. And it was, uh, I learned a lot on that tour. That was a, it was, it was a good, it was a good moment in, uh, in, in my life. Also a challenging one. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we do is we have these things, people are listening. I want you to reflect back now and just be kind to yourself and say, look how far you've come. Mm -hmm. And there've been, uh, some really awesome kind of snapshots in that reel. And there have been a couple that aren't so good uh, that you go mm -hmm. like some setbacks, some failures, some things that might have been regrets. Yet somehow you've continued on with your music, with this beautiful family. This was before wife and kids and this is before anything. 
it was before kids. Hillary and I were married, but it was, I mean, we had not been married long. That was, I'm, I don't remember what year that would have been, but yeah, this life looked a lot different for sure. Uh, we have these snapshots. I was so on this. I think eBay sees me coming. I bought one of those old slide projectors, mm-hmm. you know, where you put the carousel on the top and it was kerchunk and has the next slide. And then I've, I'm converting a couple things back to slides. And I'm just, I was thinking about just saying, these are the slides I had in my mind about who I was mm-hmm. and then how you'd replace this slide with that. You need to explain that to somebody that didn't know what <laughs> a slide carousel and all that was. But some of your favorite slides early on, what were those for you? The things that in addition to, you know, pictures of your wedding and other, you know, holding your baby, your first one and second one and third one, what are the other slides? I think early slides that I enjoyed professionally would probably have been, it's just so felt so improbable to me as a teenager from Oklahoma that I would get to like do this on any level at all. So like anything that was strangers enjoying my music felt just crazy to me. It's not, you know, I really didn't have a model for what doing this professionally would look like. Nobody, not nobody, not very many people in Tulsa do it. So I think, I mean, early on, just gosh, Anything that I did, I was like, this is crazy. I can't believe this. And I think, honestly, I just, I so loved it. There were parts of it that didn't feel anything like a job. I would just steal time away from other stuff to get to go work on writing or get to, you know, practice singing or whatever. It just, it was very pure, I think, at the beginning. There there weren't a lot of ulterior motives. I was just like, I really love this. So I think those those would probably be, uh, as far as professionally, a couple slides, just maybe like going to the music building at the University of Arkansas and writing at all hours of the day and night. And then just any time that I was getting to do anything that wasn't just what a kid from Tulsa would do. I was just like, this is crazy. Yeah. I think of one slide that I have of you is uh, you with a Frisbee out at the end of a dock and winging it. Was it through a window of our house or something? What was that? Oh man. That's honestly, that's a good slide. (laughs) I was, I was down on the dock and there was, uh, the, the door was open to the building that had all the bunks in it. And I was like, I'm going to try to throw it through that doorway and it was, I mean, that was, it was far throw. It was uphill a lot. And I threw it straight through the doorway. And I oh, was like just a like, boss. it was, it was good. It was a good throw. Yeah. What I want to uh, think about for people that are listening in is what are the slides that you can create right now? Like you can mm-hmm. just blow through your day, which is fine. You're doing honorable work, whether you're picking the lettuce, bagging the lettuce, eating the lettuce, serving the lettuce. <laughs> but um, to say, can we create a couple memories along the way that represent those slides? Can you find a wide spot in the road to reflect on these questions? Like, look how far you've come. Yeah. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, there's a couple chapters that said, like, when you wake up in the morning, tell your kids about what God's done in your life. When you're walking by the way, when you lay down at night, when you get up the next day, bind them on your hands, put them on your foreheads. Like, just remember that stuff, like, remember those slides. And I don't want to just drift through the days that I have left without creating some really neat kind of slides. What a good thought, man. That's so, and honestly, it is so easy just to you get a little bit older and there's more stuff going on and it is easy just to kind of blow through days 
And I feel like it's such a good reminder to be like, oh, make sure you're doing this on purpose and make sure, honestly, like make sure you're enjoying it and make sure you're doing something not like professionally that you want to do, but doing like life with an attitude and a viewpoint that you would want to have, you know? And then you get to constantly change. So I've been like Bob the lawyer for a while and then Bob the the next thing and then Bob the next thing. And this is new. This is Bob the grandpa. Did you hear that we added a third grandchild in the last week? I did not. Yes, we've got a brand new grandchild. Our uh, like kids are pretty stay off of social media and all that. But mm-hmm. um, this little one arrived and I pretty much uh, stopped uh, going around speaking at places. That's why I bought the camp. I let the party come to me instead of me going to the party. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and I just, uh, I got this uh, phone call as I was boarding the airplane from my daughter. And she said, I'm in labor. And I'm like, and I got, there are tens of thousands of people assuming somebody's going to do these next five services mm-hmm. starting in an hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so like, ah, and she wasn't going to rely on me to catch the baby. So I went and while I was preaching, I had my iPhone with a little thing up. <laughs> I couldn't spill the beads while I was talking, but then it was like, it's a girl. Wow. <laughs> and, that's uh, incredible. Yeah. So uh, what it uh, symbolized for me, it was the end of one slide and the next slides have me here, not me elsewhere uh, with a reason because everybody's got a reason. And I just want to be present. I just don't want to miss some of this really neat stuff that I have the opportunity to experience. How are you going to balance that as a dad? Because you're a really loving guy. You're a great husband. So yet your work means go to Poughkeepsie. Yeah. I think um, it's interesting that you say that about the slides because I feel like on this record, it does feel like I'm kind of changing slides. And basically I spent the first, I mean, up until I was working on this record, I kind of approached music like it was like a rental car or like a summer camp or something. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just drive this rental car into the ground as far as I can. And I'll just be done with rental cars. I'll just be like, I did it. Now I'm done. Cause touring is generally kind of hard on me. I think some people just love it. And I've always, it's always been kind of like an acquired taste. So kind of like a challenge and something that I can apply myself to, but I'm, I, I wouldn't do it if it weren't a means to making people happy or providing for my family or whatever. And I started to kind of realize that this like, isn't really a, and part of the reason I looked at it like a rental car, cause I was like, how long are people going to want to hear me play music? I don't know. Or how long am I going to want to? And, um, I kind of started to realize like I'm 35 now. I'm like, this isn't a rental car. Like this is my car. And so I haven't been taking care of it. I haven't, I've just been like, I'm not going to get the oil changed. I'm not going to worry about if it's comfortable. I'm just going to drive it like into the ground. And I think on this record, I realized I was like, I think that I need to learn how to like find joy in this again. Cause if I don't, I don't think I'm going to be a super happy person. And I realized like for this season, I'm supposed to be doing music. I don't think that's presumptuous, but it all signs are pointing to like, hey, you're probably going to keep doing this. And then I started thinking too about like my kids. I was like, I want them to see me working. I want them to see me loving something and and being like, hey, I'm doing good, important work. Not like, I'm just like slogging away at this thing and then I'm going to quit because I just, gosh, I got to get out of here. And so I think when I started really making this record, I almost looked at it like I'd been running on, like the fuel that I'd been running on in that car was like 
really honestly, it was like a lot of fear. I was like, I hope I don't mess up. I hope I don't look silly. I hope that like this goes good and that you think I'm good at this. And then I, lo- I looked at it as a responsibility. I was like, hey, I, I need to do a good job of this. And it was like, if it was a bus, like there were however many seats, the better it went, the further like my enjoyment of it got pushed out until there weren't any seats left. And it was like, sorry, no room on the bus. Like you got to hop off. And I think I realized like, I have to change the fuel that I'm running on because I don't think I'm going to do good work or really be like a person who's at peace and is like creating from a place of like peace. If I'm doing this because I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up or afraid I'm going to look silly. I was like, I need to learn how to like switch fuels and start running on like, Hey, like I want to look at the stuff that's challenging as a, as a way to improve, but also to run on, Hey, like I want to make stuff from a place of like abundance and gratitude and then like find ways to plug into this that give me life instead of like suck it out of me. And so really, and truly, this is the first record that I've felt like that where I really made it just because I loved it. And I feel like it's the best work that I've done kind of because of that. And so I'm like, okay, how do I stay in this place? And it's interesting because now I used to be afraid of like failing. I was like, oh, what if I, what if this doesn't go good? And I think now I'm more afraid that 60 year old me will be like, you had this incredible setup and you just were stressed out and afraid all the time. Like what a, what a disappointment that would be. Like, I want to be like, no nah, man, like I got in the water and like surf the waves and it was kind of crazy, but I learned how to love it. And I think as far as how I can be like a good father and a husband, I hope that my kids see me like really applying myself and loving what I'm doing because I think I would be doing them a disservice to be like, dad was always stressed when he was growing up and like, they don't care how much money we have. Like if we're okay, like they don't really care about that and they don't care if I'm famous or not. Like they're not going to be like, I love my dad more because he's 12% more famous. So I'm kind of like, all right, like my job now is to figure out how to do this running on fuel that is good for me and that is going to enable me to like do good work and be a, like a good whole person. And this is really the first time that I've been able to like start to think about that. And it really does feel like a fundamental shift. Like I, I just never have approached it like that before. And I think that like, that's probably my best guess about how to be a good dad and do this job is to be like, Hey, this is something that I think is important and I want to do a great job of. And it's also something that I really love. And I'm like, fulfilled by on some level. And that goes without, it goes without saying that like, I'm not trying to go play 250 shows a year. Like first things first, I want to be home and I want to, as much as I can, like be a dad and a husband. But in the times where I do have to work, I don't want them to see me like bummed out or afraid of failing. I want to be like, man, I was nervous on that record because I tried my, my hardest. And if me trying my hardest doesn't go as good as I want to, that's okay. And I don't think it's a good thing to teach them to be like, Oh, Hey kids. Like I always set up a game. I knew I could win because heaven forbid it would go poorly. It's just like, I don't want to be afraid of that. That's silly. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm thinking about the people that drive scared. Totally. They're actually bad drivers because they're all hunkered over the, you know, they've got their hands at 10 and two, but they're all hunkered over the steering wheel. Give me the person that's got the Necker's knob, like right at 12. Totally. Driving relaxed and then driving like really purposefully. Yep. To just say, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And for people listening right now, whether you play music or not, to just say, hey, why am I doing what I'm doing? And some of you are in jobs that 
aren't good for you anymore. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it's who you were. It's not who you are. Yeah. And so to change, and I just love this album and I love uh, now the joy of music just makes so much more sense in that contest. And by the way, every golf kid says, I'm supposed to say hi to you for them. <laughs> tell, and tell they them all want to know who's the big red guy that they keep seeing. I know that's you get asked a thousand times, but this is a thousand one. Uh, sure. And I think we're going to, we're trying to figure out how to like tell the rest of the story basically. <laughs> and I think, I think you'll get what I'm saying here. Um, for the, for the listeners, this is kind of with a wink. Basically I, ha- I started to have this crazy idea of making like a, a short film that would represent kind of like my journey making this record and it's basically the first six songs of the record in order and then the last song and as I was thinking about how I could like personify the music was a song that really felt like it should be danced to and I'm terrified of dancing like just I don't like dancing at weddings I don't like any of that and I was like I'm gonna learn to dance (laughs) totally I was like I'm gonna learn to dance for these videos so like got with the choreographer, learned to dance, and then uh, started thinking about like, what's a story that could kind of like make this make sense. And I don't really know where this came from, but I started to have this idea of kind of like a giant red, almost like mascot that could personify joy that would sort of lead me through this journey of like, Hey, like, how do you, how do you love this again? How do you find joy in it? And so I tried to figure out, uh, who could make something like that. I learned a lot about mascots. I learned a lot about who does things like that. We talked to Jim Henson's creature shop. They're the best in the world at that. They make the Muppets (laughs) in Sesame street. Of course you did. And so they were, they were pretty expensive. And I was like, I don't, I was worried they weren't going to take it seriously because I, I'm not Star Wars. I'm just like a guy and I'm not going to ask for a bunch of these. It's just like, can you just make me one of them? Yes. And, um, you know, I was like, well, I'll find somebody else who could maybe do it. I talked to somebody else. I realized that they wouldn't be able to do it. We went back to Jim Henson's creature shop and started the process of like, making this thing and we got all the way down the line we made sketches and they started to build it and then at the very end they were like you're never going to believe this there's a guy that looks just like this and he lives in nashville and i was like no way well how do you know about him they're like well he wrote a letter and it was like i want to be in the muppets and he's like you can't be in the muppets we make the muppets (laughs) they're like but his name is joy you should just talk to him about this so Basically, Jim Henson's Creature Shop helped me kind of find joy, if yeah, you know what I mean. Get it. And then he's kind of uh, he's in the videos, and he'll he'll be out on tour with us. But he's just sort of like a big, lovable, like crazy thing. It's so big. So good. He is so much bigger than he seems, like in a picture. So I'm excited to just like have him out with me as a foil, kind of. You know. I just love that. I know uh, your time's precious, and people are finishing up the jog that they're on or the the drive that they're in. Uh, but I just want to thank you from all of us for just reminding us you're like that friend. We don't get to hang out that much, but you're that tap on the shoulder that reminds us that there's a bunch of hope. There's a bunch of joy out there and to overcome some, like we all have our like uh, things that we're concerned about or distracted by our insecurities. Uh, but your authenticity has always just leak through. And I think that's one of your greatest gifts. It takes guts. It take it's like, it's a gift. And for you to release some new music, people that are listening, the album is the joy of music. And it, March 11th is the release date. Do I have that right? That's right. And so I'll just tell you, you plug your ears for a second, Ben, you don't need anybody's help selling records, but a way to honor artists like this 
go buy the heck out of the record just to like let people know about it. It's just a, it's not going to change his lifestyle one way or the other, but it's going to encourage him. And he's a guy that has spent a lifetime encouraging us. You're so kind. Thank you. Great seeing you, brother. And uh, someday we're going to throw a Frisbee around again. And uh, you heard the lodge uh, where you stayed, like what burnt down. And then we rebuilt it. We built it a little bit bigger this time. Oh, wow. Uh, And so you got to come up and see what changed. I would love to. It's always good to see you. Thanks for having me, man. All right, buddy. See you. 